What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. Welcome to Creature Feature, production of iHeartRadio. I'm your host of Mini Parasites, Katie Golden. I studied psychology and evolutionary biology, and today on the show, camels. It's just 100% camels 100% of the time. Every species of camel discussed on this podcast, I realized that I've never really talked about camels on the podcast, and I had to fix that issue. It was an oversight. I apologize. I apologize to camels. I apologize to people who love camels. And I, yeah, camels are fascinating. They are so much more than you might expect. They have ridiculous evolutionary traits, incredible adaptations from inside out, from the tiniest cells in their bodies to those big old humps you know and love. And spoilers, that hump is not filled with water, but something else. Discover this and more as we answer the age-old question, is that a flesh balloon coming out of your mouth or are you just happy to see me? Joining me today is producer, podcaster, friend of the show, friend to camels, Bridget Greenberg. Welcome! Hey, best friend to camels. I love their (laughs) big dumb faces. So excited. You got the dumbest faces. They do. They have the sweetest, dumbest faces. I love. Yeah. I love them so. Just like yeah. you look at them from any angle, really, from that amazing pouty lips, those big bug yeah. eyes. It's such a, and then those luscious eyelashes. Oh yeah, they have beautiful eyelashes and. Uh, they are constantly chewing nothing. It seems like every time I've seen one, it's like chewing. They're cud, yes. 
yeah, they just like chew in a circle motion. They just stare at you with their weird eyes. I was traveling in Israel once and we were on like a, a, a tour bus and I fell asleep and I woke up. I don't. I don't know. You woke up next to a camel. I've heard this story a million times. Oh, yeah. I mean, it happens. They're very seductive. Um, (laughs) The eyelashes. Uh, No, I like woke up on the star of us and I like look out into the distance and I swear to God, I saw a camel with the fez on just wandering the desert. Yeah. I don't know if it's true. It was like, I don't know if it like escaped somewhere, but I, he was wearing a fez. And it was just a lone camel out I in the mean, desert. Camels I, I, enjoy fashion as well. I mean, yeah, no one else said they saw it, but mm-hmm. I I swear it was wearing a little hat. And I it was like just that, hanging out. I like that there is a cryptid now uh that is camel wearing yeah. a fez. And yeah. Bridget has seen it and swears I've, she's I've seen, seen it. it. it Shaky footage of it. the desert of the Middle East and confuses <laughs> sleepy tourists. Uh, oh, that's incredible. They're everywhere out there. They are. And it's really interesting because they are domesticated and they have become much more cosmopolitan, much more globally present than they were uh, typically when they were wild. Huh. Yeah, I guess that makes sense because, I mean, I, I felt bad for the camels, but traveling around, I would just see them like at gas stations and be like, hey, pet my camel for like $5. <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh, $5 a sure. pet. Yeah. <laughs> One oh. pet, $5. That's there. That's has to be hard to keep a camel. I mean, actually. They're so big. I mean, maybe if you're trying to keep it in your apartment, but they. Sure were very well suited to domestication. They're more strong-willed than say a horse or a cow, yeah. but they are they were uh I mean the fact that they are so hardy and so well adapted to extremes made them invaluable yeah. in terms of being pack animals and animals that we rode on and, and domesticated animals in human history. Yeah, I guess so. They do see very, they're very gentle creatures. They're gentle. Gentle, majestic dummies. But with with a little bit of attitude, which I I admire. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) You know, they have some edge to them. Yeah. And you can tell. Yeah. They stare at you with their expressionless dumb faces, just (laughs) chewing in big old circles. They're like, I'm going to go where I want to go. So just sort of a rundown. What is a camel? A camel is an even-toed ungulate like deer, sheep, bison. They're actually distantly related to whales and dolphins, uh, which also descended from hooved land animals. But yeah, they're basically, they're even-toed ungulates. So they're similar to antelope, deer, sheep, pigs. Is that what the, is, are we going to find out the hump is a fin? <laughs> is essentially a fin. I like that. Sand whales, they're called. Sand dolphins. Sand whales. <laughs> Sand dolphins. I love that for them. So camels have an interesting evolutionary history. The oldest known camel 
Protolopus lived around 50 million years ago and was about as big as a medium-sized dog. So not very big. Little tiny miniature camel. Cute. Let's bring that back. <laughs> that feels more like the apartment camel. I know. Lap camel. Oh, I would love a the lap. dream. Little lap camel and pet it. Have oh. it spit at, spit at courtesans that I don't like. <laughs> yeah, the spit is gross. So we don't necessarily know if these early ancestors of camels actually had a hump or not. We don't have the soft tissue evidence, um, but they were found in North America. In fact, camels lived in North America until around 15,000 years ago when they went extinct along with other megafauna, probably because humans came along and just ruined everything as as we tend to like to do. Mm. <laughs> but they came back. All They're this megafauna. Well, no. So, so these early ancestors of camels went extinct, but the other, oh, okay. other yeah. species oh, gotcha. of camels evolved and moved across the globe and became their own thing. So that's why we got big camels. I mean, the some of the camels that lived in North America were quite big, actually a little taller than modern day camels, may or may not have had a hump, uh, but they did. They went extinct while the other camels that migrated over to Northern Africa and Asia actually ended up surviving until modern times after going through a little bit of human meddling. So interestingly, camels uh, were not always adapted solely for hot climates, nor are they solely found in hot climates even, in, even today, um, which we'll talk a little bit about later. But first thing to know is that there are three species of camel still alive today. Which I think a lot of people just think there's like, it's camel. Every camel is just yeah. camel. There are three types of camel. Yeah, it's funny because, yeah, you said three types of species. And I did think camel's just camel. And then I also at the same time thought, that seems low. But. <laughs> so there is the dromedary camel, uh, which is probably the camel you're thinking of right now. Yeah, that, that looks like camel camel. Camel camel, sort of your your. Camel classic, which is actually a little deceptive yeah. because there is the Bactrian camel, which is probably actually an older species of camel, and the wild Bactrian camel. So uh, we are going to talk about the Bactrian and the wild Bactrian, who are fascinating camels. But first, we're going to talk about the good old dromedary camel, the one we know and love, which is... Also incredibly, incredibly interesting. So the dromedary is the most common camel. Um, it is your stereotypical, prototypical, archetypical, all the typicals camel. Yeah. They're the uh, ones that wear the fezes. <laughs> they're, exactly. They're the fez camels. Yeah. It, it looks so it, handsome in a fez. Very handsome. And it is a domesticated animal. It is not a wild animal. Uh, they are all domesticated. And it has not been wild for at least 2,000 years. So, yeah. yeah, it's, you know, essentially like a horse or a cow. It is domesticated. I remember seeing, like, I've seen wild horses. And I, like, my mind was kind of blown. Like, they just exist. <laughs> but, uh, 
That's upsetting. I thought camels were just, you know, boning in the woods, making more camels or the <laughs> desert. Well, they can be. Uh, so there are feral camels. And in fact, a lot of feral that camels. Sounds, that in fact, we'll talk about. Actually, so- I don't like that. I don't like that, actually. That, that's very scary. <laughs> we will talk about some of these feral camels. Uh, and while they're maybe not scary to humans, they, there are some problems with feral camels. So there, there are big populations of feral camels, but they are technically feral versions of the domesticated camel. So just kind of a short description of the dromedary camel. They have one hump, always one hump. They have short but shaggy fur, a long curved neck, and absolutely gorgeous Maybelline. Maybe it's Maybelline. Maybe she's born with it eyelashes. And they are born with it. They are born with it. I mean, just such thick. They're stunning. Yeah, they could fan your face with their eyelashes. It's stunning. It's a look, and I'm jealous, frankly. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they're, they're dumb, seductive faces. <laughs> can't, can't get around it. Those camels are hot. They, have, they do have Vogue faces. They know how to have that sort of unfocused, glazed look in their eye. They flutter their eyelashes and pout with their lips. They're, yeah, they're, they're uh, very, very Vogue. Yeah, they, they look like they want you to pet them, but they do not. They will spit mm. at you. Yeah, yeah. Actually, that spit uh, is not spit, but a mixture of saliva and regurgitate. Regurgitate, regurgitate, uh, regurgitate. That makes sense. It does, yeah. Because that's not. I've seen the spit, and it's not. It it's, looks. It looks like they have a virus all the time, or something. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's it's it it's pretty gross. It's throw up. It's a little bit of throw up. They regurgitate, uh, and will shoot it at you. And this is a defensive tactic that they use. Yeah. It used to be against predators. But they will also do it if they're just pissed off at you, a human. They are very sassy creatures, too. Yes. They always, they they do seem a bit pissed a lot. <laughs> yeah, it, you know, it adds up. I, I do like that as, that feels like the kind of defensive tactic that someone like me would have is that I just throw up at you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I like that as a superpower. As someone with stomach issues, uh, I yeah. really enjoy that as a superpower of just, I'll puke at you. I did you when I me. was in elementary school, um, like, get sick during a choir practice, and I did, on accident, throw up on the front row, including a girl I didn't really <laughs> like. So Perfect. Yeah. It was not so intentional. throwing up is a win. Right. Exactly. <laughs> It was uh, yeah. it was, it was uh, actually while we were, while we were singing uh, do a deer do re mi fa sol la ti, uh, and then at the like do re yeah. mi fa sol la ti, barf everywhere on the front Perfect. row, but especially on the girl I didn't like. So good, good job. Thank you. Uh, uh, <laughs> it was my I birthday hope everyone too. Was proud of you that day. Oh man, <laughs> such a memorable Happy birthday. birthday. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of cake. So I, I really do feel for the camels because I it's like I really embodied the camel this day. Yeah, the camel spirit. Yeah. Yeah. The power of the camel. Today on my birthday, <laughs> I shall exhibit the power of the camel. Yeah. And so, just not pee. <laughs> so uh, 
while camel fur is typically that lovely tan color, uh, it can range from black to white, and in very rare cases, actually piebald, meaning a splotchy mix of black and white fur. So, Ooh, yeah, cute. designer camels. So, is that is that a thing? Uh, I don't think it's a I thing. Mean, I'm get- I- oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, I assume. Yeah, I assume if you're breeding camels, you know, the you get the designer camel. Whoop. I got some coats. No, I'm just want the animal oh. designer camel. No, animal. still getting coats. So I'm going to uh, assume yeah. maybe there are no. designer camels, but uh, maybe they're also just wearing designer coats. I like that better. Yeah, it's a ca- it's a coat for a camel. It's not a <laughs> coat made out of a camel. Don't worry. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, it could be a coat made out of the camel's wool. Not the like you sure. don't necessarily have to kill the camel, uh, right? To get camel wool, which is you know nice, I guess. Yeah, which is good, good for them. Yeah. <laughs> so the wild ancestors of dromedaries adapted to intense desert regions, which is actually probably why they were domesticated because they are so gosh darn hardy. Uh, these original dromedary uh, camels would live in the Sahara and was able to withstand intense conditions in the desert. Um, So this was a huge boon for people who lived in the desert regions because they could be used as pack animals, transportation. They could even be used for their milk, their wool, and also their meat. So uh, they've also been used for plowing fields. I mean, like they were uh, really, really useful for uh, people who lived in these desert regions. Yeah, that makes sense. They kind of like, they feel like the cows of that area. Like if you let them loose on a field, they're going to just eat (laughs) the day away. I mean, they're kind of, they're like really metal versions of cows uh, and like, and, and just kind of. I don't know. It's they're they're like a utility ungulate because there's so many different things that they can do. You know, hanging things off those humps. Yeah, I mean, I would in an apocalyptic environment, I would rather have a camel than a horse. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. They they definitely seem more hardy and less high maintenance. Yes. Uh, than those damn horses. But it is. Have you have you ever ridden a camel? I have not. I imagine it's extremely comfortable. Um, yeah, I, I, I did one of those. It is um, crazy uh, getting up. Oh, it's really? What I, it, it's what I imagined like a hydraulic car to be like. Because <laughs> uh, the camel actually, doesn't the camel lie down and then you get on it and then it you stands lie up? Da- yeah, yeah. And they stand up like one leg at a time. Mm-hmm. So it's just in the very long legs on that camel. Yeah, you got to so hold is, on. You got. Yeah. So it's just like one at a time kind of like shifting you a good like seven, eight feet in the air. Uh, yeah. Making like vroot, vroot, vroot noises. Yeah. The, it, a horse is a little. Not that a horse ride is comfortable. But I would recommend it more. <laughs> <laughs> they also you know the the back space is it's mostly hump back there so you have a, not a 
you don't really have a lot of room. Right, right. Not much lumbar support. No. On and a like, camel. How dare they no not one. be designed with a lumbar support? These, oh, yeah. These animals. <laughs> these living creatures. Yeah, they, it turns out they weren't made just for me to ride them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I know if they were, they'd definitely come with sort of like cup holders and seat belts. Right? <laughs> yeah, I know. They, they should be a little more ergonomical. <laughs> And uh, probably a little less stubborn. I, the camel I was on did not want to go in the direction of all the other camels. Yeah, um, they've got they've got free will. None of them did. Yeah, not none of none of the camels. It wasn't like particular to me. Like we were. Yeah, none of the camels seemed interested in going the direction that the yeah. ride was. The camel ride was designed for. Like they got their own circle. stuff going on. Maybe they, you know, yeah, they got maybe they're going to DJ be. that night. You don't know. Yeah, they got they got appointments. They, they got they got to go. Well, they, to the have, they got stuff going on. Yeah, their social calendar is full. Thank you. Yeah, they didn't get put on all that uh, mascara for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> so the dromedary camel still lives in hotter, arid regions like the Sahara Desert, but domestication has distributed them all across Africa, Asia, the Persian Gulf, and they were even brought to Australia in the mid-1800s, which, like many animals that were imported to Australia, was a terrible decision because now there are over a million feral camels wandering and ransacking the Australian bush. No, that yeah. is... Yeah. Yeah. Don't bring animals to places where animals don't go. Especially Australia. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they they're full of yeah. non-native species. They're they're closed off that. Yeah, I don't I don't like uh animal as big as a camel, the idea of that being feral. Like a cat <laughs> I can handle, but like I that's too big to to be yeah. feral. That's scary. Yeah. Come on, mittens, and it's just like a herd of angry camels. A herd of camels? I don't like that. That yeah, they're I don't like they're gentle and uh, they have a big dumb flat teeth, mm -hmm. but uh, I don't like it. They're very big. They're, they're very they're, tall. There's a that's a lot of sass to have in a feral population of camel. I, it's funny because I cannot see them being like a camel. Camel aggression to me. Is very uh, just sass. Yeah, it's yeah. not. I mean, they do. They like do spit, as we've talked about, or or yeah. you know, the regurgitating, weaponized regurgitating. Um, they also do. They will bite. I mean, if they feel like they yeah. have to. Yeah, it feels like all their defenses are kind of like. I mean, I'm sure the bite is hard, but it's not gonna like tear you apart. Like a camel's not gonna eat you. They'll yeah, that's what they want you to think, so, though. That's what they want you to think. <laughs> Uh, yeah, their 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 teeth are weird. Although they might eat you if you are already dead, uh, which sure, we'll, and which as, we'll talk about. Should we'll talk about a little bit more later. Um, but yeah, these yeah. feral camels are actually a significant problem because they are devastating to the native plant populations, and they cause erosion with all their stomping with those big flat floppy feet of theirs. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's a real testament to the camel's hardy adaptations that they have become such a pest in Australia because they can just kind of 
dominate because they're so they have so many incredible adaptations to be able to survive in extreme conditions that when you plop them in Australia, they're like, we can we can. Yeah, we'll take it. We can do it. Yeah. (laughs) Looks nice. uh, Yeah. Looks cozy. Fire tornadoes. We got it. We don't care. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Because I have to imagine they just eat constantly, too. Like, if they're not just sitting down or, yeah. It's interesting because they will eat when they have the opportunity to, uh, but they do, they are able to withstand incredibly inhospitable conditions. Yeah. And they can last for quite a while without eating, without drinking. And it is stunning what they are able to endure. Um, But we are going to take a quick break. And when we get back, we are going to talk about how the camel is one of the most extreme, most hardy, large mammals in the world. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On-demand, temp to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbiotica is your solution to great-tasting all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant based ingredients. Their products have no seed oils, fillers, or artificial nonsense. It's just pure goodness in every pouch. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbiotica.com. That's C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A.com. Bridget, you ready to talk about how much camels rule? Hell yeah. That's why I'm here, baby. There, I mean, like, I often like to talk about lesser known animals on the show, sort of the, the animals you don't, you know, aren't, aren't one of the, like, big animals that we kind of talk about all the time. But camels are really interesting because they are, everyone knows that they're really hardy. They can survive without water. But I think there's a lot of misconceptions about how they do this. And it's, actually incredibly impressive what they are capable of yeah i mean i 
I know this is wrong. I, I've always assumed it was hump-based, uh, why mm-hmm. they are able to survive. Uh, I'm sure the hump has something to do with it, but, you know. Yes. They're they're hardcore. If they can live out, you know, in those deserts. Yes. And just not drink for days. Uh, exactly. They're a little more, yeah, they're a little more metal than they look. They're very metal, much more metal than that. Uh, long, luxurious lashes. And actually, those eyelashes, also being just iconic, uh, do serve a very important purpose in terms yeah. of keeping their eyes protected from sand because they live in these places where there can be sandstorms and these really thick, long lashes act as, you know, essentially like a a fence <laughs> fencing or yeah. or a net that that protects their eyes. They also have a nictitating membrane which is you know like when have you ever seen a sleepy cat where they kind of like open their yeah, eye it's that third yeah yes. it's that third eyelash that goes sideways. Yes, right? exactly. It, that that third eyelid the nictitating oh, membrane like, birds yeah. also have it. Um, yeah, it's, and yeah, it's like, so that's when cats and they're kind of like half awake, they look at you and they have this weird, like very silly expression. Cause that third, uh, eyelid is sort of halfway across their eye. Well, camels also have this and they can also use that to protect their eyes from sand. Um, but yeah, so they are just incredibly well adapted to dry desert arid environments and can survive extreme water loss. Now, Bridget, you mentioned like you were thinking like this hump has a lot to do with their survival. And that is true. But have you had the notion that it has something to do with uh, helping them with hydrating, like like storing water, preventing water loss or something like that? Yeah, that is uh, what I had always heard. Uh, the camelback backpack mm-hmm. is kind of what I assume the uh, the hump was, was essentially just like a big uh, water bladder. But I also uh, know that's wrong because it's not like if you poke that thing, it's not like a, <laughs> it, it's not a bladder of water. Right. It doesn't slosh around. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, you know, that's what I've heard, but I've assumed that was wrong. Yeah. I mean... So it does serve a very important purpose, but that is not to keep the camel hydrated. It is actually uh, other factors, other evolutionary advantages that the camel has that helps it survive without water. So in temperatures of up to 104 degrees Fahrenheit, they only need to drink water every 10 to 15 days, which is, for the record, a lot longer than humans can. You'd be very dead. I'd be dead. We'd be a pile of bones. Yeah. Maybe not bones, that but sounds bad. Yeah. <laughs> but but dead. But certainly but dead. Certainly dead. That sounds like a long time. Yeah. Yes. When it does drink, it drinks very heartily. Uh, it can drink over four gallons or twenty liters a minute, and can drink around thirty gallons or one hundred and fifteen liters in one sitting. I, that, in a, the, the, the minute, the how much you can drink in a minute is shocking to yes. me because I, I feel like you'd need a hose to do that. Some <laughs> sort of, like, I feel like them just lapping up water 
it's got to be that that seems like they do that a, at a, a quick rate. Yes. Very powerful mouths <laughs> just hoovering up water. Yeah. It feels like it would need a tusk to drink that much water, but good for them. Uh, yeah. So the water is not stored in the hump. Uh, the hump is actually a fibrous mass of fatty tissue that is stored and can be metabolized as food uh, for the nutrition for the camel if it is unable to find food. So it's not really for water. It is for nutrition. That is handy. Yes. It's like a backpack full of snacks, except you just kind of... It's just on you. It's just on you. Yeah. And this hump can store up to 80 pounds or 36 kilograms of fat. So that is significant. That is a significantly uh, adequate source of nutrition if they are encountering scarcity. Does that hump... I mean, now I kind of... Does it like shrink? Yes. Do they lose... Yeah, okay. Yeah, as they, they consume it. Yeah, it kind of deflates. Uh, <laughs> and it's kind of like a sad balloon. Um, but Aww. with a full Gross. hump, they can go several months without food. Wow. Yes. Good for them. In terms of the water, uh, how they survive on how they are able to drink a huge amount of water and then go so long without having to drink more water. It is actually inside of them uh, that is mostly responsible for their water preservation in terms of their organs, like their kidneys, uh, and also as small as their blood cells. Their blood cells are actually oval-shaped rather than round. Like our blood cell, red blood, right. blood cells are kind of like these little like uh, donuts without a hole in them. Yeah. But uh, camel red blood cells are oval shaped. And what that allows is for the blood flow to continue even when they're severely dehydrated. So they're kind of more streamlined, these blood cells, so they can continue to flow through the veins even in cases of severe dehydration. That is very thorough evolution. Yes. Uh, that is incredible. Uh, that yeah, down to the blood cell, it has figured out how to live in the desert. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, if you want an example of how blood cell shape can kind of change based on a mutation, but then end up being advantageous, you only need to look at humans, where people can get sickle cell anemia, which uh, is generally speaking, not necessarily advantageous, but it does make it harder to contract malaria. And so mm, right. with sickle cell anemia, it actually provides an advantage to people who are in areas where there is high malaria risk. So you can see how you might have some kind of mutation with blood cell shape that... Yeah. Um, may not seem ideal, but then in certain situations, in certain environments, it actually is uh, a really good uh, mutation. Oh, man. Evolution is cool. Ain't it wacky? <laughs> it's 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 wild that, yeah, your your body just figures out how to best survive and then forms everybody that way. 
Yeah, I mean, it's just like it's, but it's just luck, right? Like if you're if you're yeah. the person, you're just kind of born with the mutation, and it's like, oh, actually, this is pretty good. <laughs> you just end yeah. up surviving and end up having babies and passing that on to them. Yeah, good for these camels and their long blood cells. <laughs> So, yeah, camels can also voluntarily close their nostrils, um, which will prevent sand from entering their nostrils and can also help them prevent more water loss, like by exhaling out of their uh, nostrils in like these very dry, windy conditions. How do they breathe? Well, it's voluntary. So they they open up uh, their they're nostrils. They're just like holding their breath. Yeah. To breathe. Yeah. I mean, it's like it's sort of like uh, blinking in a way, although like voluntary blinking, like if you if it's really windy or something, you might kind of blink more to keep your eyes more right. moisturized. It's sure. the same thing with this uh, with sort their of nostrils. It's no it's nose blinking kind of <laughs> nose blinking. That's <laughs> I have seen that happen. It is. It's weird. Yeah. I kind of always thought of it as blinking that it is like kind of involuntary, but uh that's cool. They're big, dumb nostrils. <laughs> so other adaptations is, uh, another adaptation is that they have thick, leathery skin on their feet, knees, and chest area so they can protect themselves from the hot sand while walking, kneeling, and lying down because they do often kind of lie down with their legs tucked under them. It's very cute. Yeah. Yeah, they're 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 late. Like I I think of them as a very like kind of lazy animal because I always see them lying down and it. Uh, they're efficient. They it's not so, laziness. Always, it's yeah. efficiency. It's efficiency. Yeah, they energy efficiency. That energy. That's and they, what, yeah, that's what I call my naps. Energy efficiency. <laughs> energy efficiency. Yeah, they yeah. also just have the sleepiest faces. They really do. So sleepy. They really do, uh, and then just like that slow chewing. It's. It's adorable. Yeah, they always look like they're chilling. Just... Yeah, and that chewing actually—they are chewing their cuds, so they regurgitate this quasi-digested vegetation back up to chew it some more and swallow it again. It's something a lot of uh, ungulates will do. A lot of uh, ruminants will do. It's pretty gross. It's pretty gross. In addition to that, though, they also have really thick lips that. Uh, they can grasp and chew, like pull out and chew vegetation. And since the vegetation they have to contend with is often thorny and prickly, they have really thick lips and insides of their mouth so they can chew on it without uh, getting hurt, getting scratched. Oh, yeah, that's why they have those big dumb faces. <laughs> those pouty lips and those luscious eyelashes actually serve quite a good evolutionary purpose. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I just like, like, what are you chewing on? My own vomit. <laughs> Want some? Spits at you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just, just keeping it in my mouth. Mm -hmm. In case. Just in case. <laughs> we do have to talk about their love lives. It's fascinating. Of course. It's, it's, of course. I mean, I've been, I've been staring at this picture that you have of a camel, uh, making love to another camel for an inappropriate amount of time. It's been on my <laughs> it screen. is something that, I mean, like without sounding weird, it's like kind of fascinating because it was not how I pictured them mating, honestly. No, they, yeah, they're, um, they're very large 
and unruly animals. I, I would say their body seems unruly. Uh, yeah. Just a lot of long legs and a weird hump and a long neck. Yeah. Uh, so the physics seem off. It does. It does. It's they're ungainly. And then you see how they mate. And it's like, I guess I guess that is kind of the only way to do it. So what yeah. it is, is the female is uh, lying down with her legs tucked under her sort of just classic bread loaf uh, camel pose. And yep. uh, the male is very awkwardly stretched over her with his neck kind of like sticking out, his legs yeah. straddling her, his front legs straddling her, and then, you know, just kind of uh, kneeling <laughs> behind her. And <laughs> it just it, what's funny to me is it looks like so much effort for the male. And then the female is just like, she's just lying down. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> do what you gotta do. Yeah, it uh Yeah, that male seems stressed. Yeah. Um, to see the least. And she's just like, yeah, yeah. Good for her. Uh, <laughs> but also I like the body shape that this camel that the male has contorted itself to, which is just like a a ball mm-hmm. with a you remember those skip it things that you would tie around your ankle? Yes, and I it had do. The ball? Yeah, it's sort of like that shape, but if the ball was like a cannonball. Yeah, yeah, it's um, it really it's like I guess we're just so used to seeing the camel in its normal position with its like neck sort of in a sloping U shape, just kind of walking around. Yeah. But when it like stretches its neck out. And its legs out, and its like little pot belly is shoved unceremoniously on its knees. It's just really silly. Yeah, <laughs> it does. Yeah, no, I figure it's E. T. It's it's a, it looks like E. T. <laughs> uh, it has that long neck and then that weird circle body. Yes, it's and it's like little squ- squat legs. I don't. It's not dignified. It's, it's not very dignified. No. No. Uh, it's, you know, they have to do this in public, but... Uh, yeah. Speaking of undignified, males have a lot of romantic gestures that they will offer for females to try to attract them, one of which oh. is splashing their own urine around their genitals. Well, of course. Of course. I mean... Uh, I mean, how that is... The, it's camel cologne. Yeah. And... You want that area to smell good. I can't yeah. like uh I know they don't I know the female just kind of like picks it up, but well, you don't have to do it on the genitals. It's I not mean, sniffing down there. But I like might. where else are you gonna go? Yeah. I you can't really aim it. Um <laughs> and might as well. I would rather you splash your urine, you know, where the urine comes from than yeah. like on, on its neck or something. Although, yeah, like not sort of like the, the perfume thing where you roll a little bit on your wrists and on your neck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, because I like with animals, you know, with uh, wild animals, you know, I just assume they're covered in urine. Oh, yeah. It's a good assumption, I don't think honestly. they need to do the extra work. Yeah. Like, I'm, a, I'm sure that splashback happens. I mean, it's it's basically water park rules, right? Like 99% yeah. is going to be pee. You just have to accept it. Yeah. You, you just got to, yeah, they're covered in pee. Yeah. 
I mean, we didn't need to do extra work for it, but you know, if it works, who am I to judge? Yes. And speaking of extra work, uh, the males do have another romantic gesture to offer the females, and it is inflating a sack of flesh inside their mouth, letting it flop out the side of their mouth like this big, wet, pink balloon, and then sort of pushing air through it such that it makes this, like, rumbling, gurgling, bubbling sound. And hot. Yeah, it's very hot. It is called the dola, uh, and this is what it sounds like. Ooh, that is not what I was expecting. That sounds like a water cooler. Yeah. Um, that I'm also I'm I'm looking at this thing. That's not their tongue. No. That is. Um, you know, I don't want to judge, but gross. <laughs> that uh, sounds a little bit judgy, actually, though. Yeah, it's, oh, man, that, I, it looks like a turd coming out of its mouth. You're dola shaming uh, these camels. I, I, yeah, I mean, you know, if it, if it helps them attract mates, good, <laughs> good for them. I just, if I... Saw that I would not go near that camel. <laughs> it's not <laughs> working. Like, it's no charms what? on you. No, no, that doesn't work for me, a human. But uh, what do I know about camel love? <laughs> I don't like that thing. It's just like another. What? What? Ha- like so? Just they can just inflate it. That's just always yeah, and living. then suck it back in. It's actually it's like tissue that's sort of I believe is. Uh, made out of the same tissue found in like our soft palate, but it's okay. just kind of like a bunch of flappy tissue that's inflatable that they can stick out the side of their mouth. Yeah, cool. <laughs> <laughs> I guess if it works for you, it works for you. For me, it uh, it freaks me out a little bit, but uh... I think it's personally for me. I like the thought. I think it's a nice thought. It's considerate. It's a, a nice gesture. gesture. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Check out this flappy gum. It's it's like when you're like double jointed or something and you're like, check this out. <laughs> uh, I guess. It's, uh... There was a guy who in my high school would flirt with girls by showing how he can like control his salivary glands under his tongue and like squirt the saliva out, shoot it out. Which, uh, you know, not, you know, not uh, unsimilar (laughs) to a camel. Um, But uh, yeah, not the best move for a human, but, you know. I don't remember if he ever got got someone to go to the prom with him using that technique, (laughs) but, you know. Using that spitting. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Uh, that thing is, uh, yeah, it looks like a big gross balloon tongue hanging yeah. out of its mouth. Don't forget wet. Also wet, big gross balloon. Yeah. It seems very vulnerable to just like hang that out of your mouth too. Right. That's what I'm saying though. It's like showing vulnerability. Is there anything yeah. sexier than showing vulnerability? That's that's true because it feels like, you know, you don't want to get sand in that. <laughs> 
You got to put it back in your mouth. And now that can be said for a lot of things. (laughs) That's that's true. But, you know, uh, it just, yeah, it it does seem very just like, here's this soft, weird, fleshy thing that lives in my mouth. And uh, it's for you now. Is that so different from human kissing? I guess not. (laughs) I guess not. Uh, I mean, I I don't know. Description of human. Here's the soft, weird, fleshy thing that lives in my mouth. It's for you now. It's for you now. Here, take it. Uh, I'm gonna try that on my husband. (laughs) Yeah, just here. yeah, I, I guess what we do is weirder because I assume the female doesn't put that in her mouth, too. Yeah, probably not. So there you go. Camels, less disgusting than humans. That, that's what we figured out here. Good for camels. Good for camels. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On-demand, temp to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbionica is your solution to great-tasting, all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or toxins. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbionica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbionica.com. C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A.com. Bridget, I promised that we would talk about Bactrian camels, and now here we are. Gonna talk about it. Here we go. So... Bactrian camels may not be what you imagine when you think about a camel, or, I mean, maybe it is. I don't know. I, I, I don't know you. But these were actually the more of the OG camels. Uh, there's genetic evidence and fetal development uh, of dromedary camels suggests that they probably evolved from the Bactrian camels' wild ancestors rather than the Bactrian camels evolving from dromedary-like camels. So uh, Bactrian camels today are domesticated, just like the dromedaries. There is a species known as the wild Bactrian camel, but this is actually not 
like a wild version or a feral version of the domesticated Bactrian camel. It is a relative of the Bactrian camel that diverged evolutionarily over a million years ago. So we will talk about the wild Bactrian camel in a bit. They are amazing. Uh, but first, let's talk about the Bactrian camel, the domesticated Bactrian camel. So domesticated Bactrian camels are not just adapted for the heat, but for extreme cold. So even though camels are known for living in hot climates, camel ancestors actually adapted to climates such as the cold, extreme cold temperatures, and the Bactrian camel today still has to contend with the extreme cold. So the Bactrian camel is native to the steppes of Central Asia, which are flat grasslands at a high altitude. So Bactrian camels do have similar adaptations to the dromedary camels in terms of surviving drought and starvation. They actually have uh, two humps instead of one hump, but the humps serve the same purpose as the dromedary camels. They store fat, but uh, they also tend to be taller. The, the humps tend to be taller than the dromedaries, and when they are low on fat, that makes them flop over to one side. So when the Bactrians kind of like uh, using some of the fat stores, these, these humps flop over. Oh, floppy humps. Floppy humps. And actually, something yeah. that I didn't mention with the dromedary, but is true of them as well, as it is true with the Bactrian camels, is that they have another trick up their sleeve. If they are really running out of food, they will no they will not just restrict themselves to vegetation. They will eat bones. So they will eat the bones or even the kind of like leathery flesh from mummified or decaying carcasses. And they have even been known to eat tents and rope when they are desperate enough. Oh, that, but that can't provide anything. I mean, bone, certainly, because bone, can, yeah, bone yeah. I guess they're eating like marrow, essentially. Yeah. Oh, buddies, don't eat the rope. The rope <laughs> won't help you. <laughs> I like these guys. They're yeah, they're they're short. They got two humps. That makes them better than the one hump camel. <laughs> that, I don't want to cause a camel war, but uh, yeah, I mean, objectively, this is like a snitches a situation, isn't it? Yeah, I don't. I don't want to start this amongst camels, but it, it kind of <laughs> seems objective to me that uh, you know, two humps. Uh, yeah, or they're taller. Yeah, the, the bigger the humps, humps are taller. On a smaller, yeah, on a smaller camel, they yeah, have bigger humps, and they fluffy. They are massively, massively fluffy. So yeah, this one looks it, like it has two tails. <laughs> it well, it's, it's interesting. So, so they are. They have a very thick furry coat in the winter that is just completely poofy, like so fluffy. I'm talking like, you know, just bison levels of total fluff yeah. like beyond that they're like i like it, it yeah i like it's chest fluff they have so much wanted... fluff and i mean i i just kind of want to like hug one of these things and get lost in yeah, the fluff i want to get is, in there yeah it is so fluffy it actually will shed this winter coat in the summer spring and summer 
and it will fall off in these huge messy clumps and it looks like a toddler took a pair a razor to this poor camel and just started going to town but it looks uh, like that camel's going through something yeah yeah or like the camel's just kind of like decaying or something but it's totally natural it's just that this coat has to come off and it comes off really rapidly so it comes off in these huge chunks that makes it look like it had an incredibly bad day at a barber's yeah, I I like that in this picture. It seems to be like middle, then top, mm-hmm. then bottom. So it still has all that like proud chest fluff, but uh, <laughs> the top is a is a mess. Yeah, and the middle is uh, patchy at best. What I'm also confused about is this camel seems to be outside a house, and therefore I assume is taken care of by the people who live in that house. Can't they just shave that camel? I mean. It's but this is natural for the camel. It's going to do it. Yeah, it's going to do it regardless. I would. Yeah, it's not probably bothering them. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if. I guess they don't because like, you know, when you give a dog a haircut and they can get embarrassed (laughs) about it. I do have to trim my dog's butt fluffies. Otherwise, the poop can get stuck to the butt fluffies. Right. Of course. Yeah. And sh- the amount of treats it takes to bribe her to tolerate yeah. the butt fluffy haircut is enormous. Yeah. No, I mean, they don't know what you're doing back there. Right. So I get it. Like, yeah. If, if, if that hair. Yeah. If that hair just falls, fell off, I assume. Yeah. It's better. Just let it. Yeah. And the reason that they are they have to go through this incredible change from being like this incredible poofy fluffy thing to having a very short coat is that they live in an environment that has the most dramatic temperature changes of almost anywhere in the world because uh for the steppes and the Gobi Desert it can get down to five degrees to negative 20 degrees Fahrenheit in the winter, which is negative 15 degrees to negative 30 degrees Celsius, which is so, so cold. Um, And in the summer, gets up to temperatures of around 100 degrees Fahrenheit or over, or 38 degrees Celsius. So goes from being just below freezing cold to being boiling blisteringly hot good for them you know (laughs) to be able to groom themselves for that yeah that's that's a that's a good trait that also yeah i would if it was that hot i'd find a way to get anything off my body yeah i'd just start peeling my skin off because yeah yeah Uh, but yeah, and they also have adaptations that allow them to survive in this really dry winter condition. Because uh, winters can, even though like we think some in certain climates, you think of winters as being maybe kind of wet, a lot of rain or something. Right, winter can be and, extremely yeah. dry. The, the Bactrian camel can actually eat small amounts of snow to stay hydrated, which is not something you should do as a human. Yeah, I guess not. No, you should not. If you, I guess, if, if it's if, on the ground, if it came from the sky, no, you should not. Uh, you shouldn't eat even fresh snow for hydration because you're actually going to dehydrate yourself more. It takes more moisture for you to process that really cold, 
cold snow and your body essentially has to like melt it so that you can process it. And it ends up on net causing, making your metabolism work harder. And so you actually end up losing water when you eat snow like that. So if you are hiking in the snow and you're thirsty, do not eat the snow unless you're a Bactrian camel. (laughs) <laughs> or you boil that snow. I don't know. I've or you I boil the snow. Florida. Yeah, I'm from Florida. I live in California now. I don't have a lot of snow experience. Right. I don't. I don't know what it takes. Yeah, yeah. You can you can catch snowflakes on your tongue. That's fine. But don't don't eat snow if you are hiking and you're thirsty. It's not not a good situation unless yeah. you boil it. But the Bactrian camel can eat small amounts of snow. It can't go overboard or else it'll actually encounter the same problem as humans and other mammals. But they are one of the few animals that are able to eat snow and they have efficient enough internal thermoregulation to be able to turn the snow into something uh, that actually hydrates them. So uh, it is a really, really useful adaptation for them that we do not possess. Good for them. Again, Good for them. You're figuring out a way. <laughs> I mean, you know, maybe maybe live in a nicer climate camp will be a lot easier for you, but you know. Look, they're works. making it work. And making it work. Th- Camels take a break. Move to the beach. <laughs> it's like like, well, I'm tired of the cold. Well, let me move to the desert instead. That was the uh, yeah. decision they made. Um, yeah, but they actually were really important in human history, the Bactrian camel. Their ability to survive in incredibly harsh conditions from the extreme heat to the extreme cold allowed humans to use them as pack animals along the Silk Road. And without this camel, this trade route would probably not have been possible. Good for that. Yeah, that... I mean, makes a lot of sense because I I feel like I've seen pictures of camels like packed up with stuff and it seems easy for them. (laughs) It seems like they got it. Yeah. I mean, they are they're they're strong and they uh, they are they can they travel long distances. They're very good at traveling long distances and they are extremely hardy and they can survive a really long time without food or water. So they're amazing as pack animals. Now, whether they enjoy it, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if they necessarily... I, I, I assume not. Yeah. <laughs> but they they can handle it. And uh, I don't think anybody enjoys walking that long. I don't think. <laughs> I don't think the humans were having a great time either. No one was Probably having a good time. Not. They helped. They did help. Uh, I mean, this was before we had like jeeps, so you know, we had camel. we had to use camels. We had to use Joe Camel. Yeah, <laughs> import all his cigarettes. Oh man, Joe Camel, such a bad look for yeah. camels. Yeah, no, he wasn't. Uh, he wasn't their best spokesperson. No, no, they should have sent someone else. But uh, we got <laughs> Joe. Um, but. Uh, even though they look like kind of ungainly, like they wouldn't be able to run very fast, especially because they're fluffy, uh, Bactrian camels, as well as actually the dromedary camels, can run pretty fast up to 40 miles per hour or 65 kilometers per hour. Typically, they 
don't like to run. That's not like their thing. They don't gallop yeah. around just for just for fun, but they can. They if don't they seem have like to. runners. Yeah, they don't they don't strike me as runners. They're not. They have those long legs, but I can't imagine. The their yeah. bodies are so misshapen to their legs that yeah. uh, they're they're awkward. They're a little awkward. They I mean they are capable of running pretty fast. I, they just it is not I mean, yeah. not they're like not a fun activity for them. They're not like up at 6 a.m. and they're um, blue yeah, lemons. Yeah, get, get in it in. They're, no, they, yeah. They seem low energy or they, they just know how to conserve that energy. Yeah, with their with their CrossFit tennis shoes and their yeah. Apple <laughs> Watch. Shoes. I'm trying to think of the, the runner, like intense runner outfits. Yeah, they have, they have the, the belt. With water. <laughs> they don't need the belt. They don't yeah. need that like water belt. They yeah, have they it. Yeah, they got Got the 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 tube, the like the yeah. the water backpack. That third picture you have of the Spectrian camel, um, it is so funny. Uh, I do like that they seem to keep tufts of hair on the top. I don't know if it's just waiting to lose those like thinner tufts of hair on the top of its uh, back or humps. Uh, but I like that it's just like a little decorative poof. Ball. Yeah. <laughs> I think they kind of keep those wispies, like those kind of dark wispies on the top of their humps. That's fun. It's really That's fun. fun for it's just it's just fun. And I, I also like he has like a, he, he kept like top of the it looks like I know people with this haircut. Yeah. <laughs> he has like a 90s boy band like middle part haircut. Yeah, no, it's um, good. It's good. Uh, it's it's a look. It looks like yeah. It's a. It looks like this camel's like started new. You know. Yeah. It, he's a. <laughs> he he's a. What is it? Backstreet Boys. Backstreet Boys yeah, he, camel. Yeah, I I like his haircut. I think he's he's doing good. He looks like you know. Yeah. It, it doesn't look that much like a crisis. I mean, there's a little crisis going on underneath, but at the top, he's grooming himself. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like if you ignore him from sort of like the waist down, he's he's well groomed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, it does look like one of those uh Chinese crested dogs. It does a uh, little bit, yeah. Which I do, which I do think are cute. Yeah, I do. I prefer the fluff, but uh, you know, this camel's yeah. figuring out his look without the. But this fluff. camel, it's got the best of both worlds because, like, in the winter. Yeah. Fluff for days, and then the summer boy band summer. haircut. Yeah, in the summer he's shedding. You know. Yeah. He prepared. He prepared for the summer, and he <laughs> knew what his look was going to be. Exactly. Yeah. And he achieved it. I, he really did. <laughs> I really like that he does have this like coiffed, like human like haircut. Yeah. I hope well, he keeps that for the summer. Kind of dark roots too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's grown out a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of a uh, mullet shape going on, but he has he has, he has swoopy hair, little haircut. Yeah, really cute. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and his little pom poms on his back. I love yeah. it. Do like I do Good like the pom poms. It's a nice yeah, flare. I, I like that they just like keep that. They're just like these are for me. These are just for yeah, me. Yeah, just like eh, I'll keep them, keeping them. Yeah, so. I kind of like them. On to the only undomesticated wild camel still left in the world, the wild Bactrian. So again, this is not like a feral version of the Bactrian camel. This is a different species that diverged um, over a million years ago. 
And it is the only still living, completely wild and free camel. Now, unfortunately, they are critically endangered. Only around a thousand individuals still exist in the wild. And wow. in my opinion, it is really important to make sure they do not go extinct because they are incredible. So they live in the Gobi Desert and in China's Lopnur Desert Mountain region in protected reserves. And these are the only places where you will find them. The wild Bactrian camel is more lithe and wiry than its domesticated counterparts, a little more sleek, a little more aerodynamic. Uh, it looks similar, more similar to the Bactrian camel, the domesticated Bactrian camel, than it does to a dromedary camel. It has two humps. It's got that the same, a lot of the same features, the fluffy coat in the wind, winter that it sheds in the summer, because it lives in similar conditions in uh, the the extreme hot and extreme cold climates. So yeah, it is it is very similar in a lot of ways to the domesticated Bactrian camel. Yeah, it uh this looks like a wild camel. Uh now that I'm comparing, this looks like the this guy has been out there. Yeah. Living the he's been on the road living a hard life. <laughs> uh he also yeah, he I mean he's pa he's clearly losing patches of fur. But uh, yeah, there's something about this one's eyes that is like I've seen some. I've yeah. been out here. Um, <laughs> it's not. It looks a little more alert than the other yeah. camels do. And indeed, um, they have seen. They have seen some stuff, some crazy stuff. Yeah. They actually faced nuclear threats from humans in the '60s. Uh. China in the 60s tested nuclear weapons in the atmosphere over Lopnur, um, where these camels were located. And so they were exposed to a lot of radiation. Uh, weirdly enough, the camels survived. They were okay. Uh, they survived nuclear radiation from 43 nuclear tests over the Lopnur oh region. It's really amazing. It's hard to say how they managed this. It's possible that their thick fur and skin may have protected them somewhat. There may also be something going on with their gut bacteria. I'll, I'll talk about that a little more in just a minute. But uh, it's really incredible that they are were able to survive <laughs> like nuclear yeah. radiation. Extreme That's hot, extreme cold nuclear radiation. That's mind blowing. These that's a sturdy animal and it did not deserve that. <laughs> but that that's incredible. Uh yeah. I yeah, I guess it's gonna be like camels and cockroaches at the end here. Yeah, no, I mean I yeah. I think uh of, of the animals that may survive a uh like a, a nuclear winter, God forbid, maybe a camel. Yeah, who would have thought? Not me. <laughs> I would not have. They would not have been at the top of my list. But uh, yeah. I'm proud of them. I'm proud uh, of them too. Ho hopefully, they don't have to do that again. But yeah, hopefully, because I'll tell you one thing: they'd survive a lot better than humans would. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that I'm proud. I'm happy for them. 
Very happy for them. Some good news is that in 1996, China signed the Comprehensive Test Ban Treaty, so those nuclear tests no longer happen. And now the area is a sanctuary for the camels. Oh, Yeah. I love that for them. Yeah. They've been through enough. Let you them hang hug, out. You can't hug with nuclear arms, but you can hug a camel. It might spit at you, but, you know. No, yeah. But, you know, we all get puked on a little bit at one point. Sure, exactly. Or another. <laughs> or puke on. Or or you're the pukey. Yeah. In your it's, case. It's the beautiful c- circle of puke. Uh, <laughs> so uh, something that is super, super fascinating about these wild Bactrian camels. So domesticated camels, the dromedaries and the domesticated Bactrian camels, Uh, can tolerate slightly salty water, uh, slightly brackish water they'll be able to drink and uh, process. But the wild Bactrian camel amazingly can drink salt water that is saltier than seawater, which, again, is not recommended for humans because it will kill you. (laughs) If you drink drink too much seawater... You, you're going to die because that is your body is not designed to be able to handle that much salt. That is that I know that I'm very well aware of. And uh, yeah, I I am blown away by these damn camels. We've learned two things today about human survival is that like if you're thirsty in the snow, don't eat snow you're thirsty out at sea, don't drink the seawater unless you're a camel, a Bactrian camel. Unless you're camel. a camel and then like wild, it's fine. They're just... Yeah, a wild Bactrian camel, it's fine. You're good. Um, They're just chilling. They are so, yes. I mean, the exact mechanism for how they managed to drink this incredibly salty water is not yet known. Uh, but some research is pointing in the direction of special gut bacteria that may be passed from... Uh, the mother's milk to her offspring that allows them to process high salt content. So this is research that is just kind of like starting to figure these things out. So it's not, I, I mean, I have not seen like conclusive research. If anyone out there is a camel researcher and you know more, please let me know. Write, write yeah. to me. I don't, I, yeah, I, the camel is mysterious and how it survives. It's, uh, right, you'd think we'd know everything about the dang camel, right? At this point, it's like, okay, sure, we don't know that much about this random like cave moss that nobody studied or something, or this in this obscure tiny frog uh, deep in the rainforest. But this is a camel, and we don't know everything about this camel. It's, uh, I mean, it's kind of amazing that we still have so much to yeah. learn about this camel. Yeah. Uh- you know, don't be fooled by their dopey looks. They're full of mystery. They contain multitudes. They, I mean, in those humps. Mm-hmm. You're just looking. <laughs> those humps. Those humps. Those lovely those camel lovely humps. humps. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's. Uh, I did not like. Yeah, they're they're mysterious creatures, and uh, turns out badasses. Yes, like camel badasses. Yeah. I really, I will keep up to date on the camel research because I'm really interested in how these wild Bactrian camels are able to survive radiation and drink 
salt water, saltier than seawater. It's incredible. Truly, like, I really do think that these camels would survive an apocalypse. Yeah, it seems like it. They're they're way hardier than they seem because, again, they're such, like, an awkward creature. I think that's why they're, like, so lovable is they're yeah. so weird-looking. They have those dopey faces and this weird body, but, you know, they're they're more than they look. If you said, like, describe a hardy animal, the last thing I would think of would be a camel. Right. Describe a hardcore, like, uh, Mad Max sort of level, you know, just the furiosa of the animal kingdom. It is a camel. Yeah, it turns out they're the Charlize Theron's. (laughs) Especially those lovely eyelashes, yes. I mean, they're hot as hell. (laughs) Hot and can survive a post-apocalyptic world. What, What more could you want? I mean, I don't know. But, I mean, despite the fact that these are hardcore survivalists, like I mentioned, they are critically endangered. And that's because of, you know, human encroachment on their habitat and hunting. So, uh, you know, I am really rooting for these camels, though, because it just doesn't seem fair to, you know, wipe them out. Yeah, Uh, they can deal with all these crazy elements and uh, even our nuclear bullshit and uh yeah and perhaps they shall inherit the earth you know that seems like a a better earth than camel <laughs> earth i don't know about the tongue thing and the in the spitting but you know well they've, they've got some stuff figured out clearly that we don't they do have a lot of stuff figured out and i am i for one welcome the the inflatable mouth sacks of love that they have. But I, I do hope for a bright future where we can coexist peacefully with the camels and, you know, denuclearize the world, but recamelize it. Yeah. More camels. Less nukes. More camels. That's your bumper stickers. More camels, fewer nukes. That is my that that is the a cause I am would be happy yeah. to be behind. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So down for that. So Bridget, are you ready to play a little game with me? Always, yes. Love well, games. we're gonna play Guess Who's Squawking, the mystery animal sound game. Every week we play a mystery animal sound, and you listeners out there, and you, my guest, have to guess who is squawking. And it can be any animal, from a fish to a bird to I don't know, some kind of snake, anything. And the only thing you get is the animal sound and a little hint, because I am not, I'm benevolent. I will give you a hint. (laughs) And you try to guess who is squawking. So last week's uh, hint was, this is a redhead with legs for days. So, Bridget, can you guess who's making that sound? The the redhead is throwing me off. I'm going to go. It just feels wrong. I'm 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 just clinging for anything cuz I I dude, I'm stumped here. Um <laughs> Is it Is it a hyena? It's a very it interesting guess. Very very it's good. It's definitely not cuz It's definitely not. <laughs> but I'm gonna, I'm gonna, it's because they famously it's a make good, a high pitch sound. It is a sound. good guess. 
It's a fair guess. Certain species of hyenas can be pretty leggy, so I don't blame you for that. But this is, in fact, not a hyena. Congratulations to the three fastest guessers, Joey P., Magnus O., and Joshua J., who all correctly guessed that this is the roar bark of a maned wolf. So, uh, maned wolves are not actually wolves, and they are not giant foxes, even though they kind of look like a giant fox. Uh, they are wild canines related to dogs, foxes, and wolves, but only distantly. They are a relatively ancient species of canid, one of the only large South American canid species that survived the mass extinction of megafauna around 15 to 13,000 years ago. Oh, look at these guys. Yeah, I was gonna, gonna go wolf or fox. Oh, this is a pretty animal. Very pretty. Yeah, no, I, I reached for dog because I thought wolf, but they I thought of a different sound when I thought of wolf, and I should have thought of a different sound when I thought of hyena, but... uh. But I mean, this you were sense. circling it, right? Because it is, it yeah. is a confused, you were really circling around it because it is a confusing animal because it kind of looks like a wolf, kind of looks like a fox, has really long legs, actually has that kind of mane like a hyena does, although a hyena is not that closely related to uh, the canine species. Hyenas are actually more related to uh, mo mongooses and uh, sure. felines. So the uh, maned wolf is really, really interesting canid. So it is omnivorous, actually. It eats both meat and vegetation in almost equal measures. So almost 50-50. It, uh, it loves fruit and it loves meat. They are particularly fond of a fruit known as the wolf apple or fruta do lobo in Portuguese. It is a flowering shrub with a green fruit with white pulpy flesh that they just absolutely love. So oh. I don't know. I find that kind of cute that they're like, they love their they little love wolf apple. apples. Yeah. I love that. I love that it's called a wolf apple. It's just like an apple just for them. Guess who else loves apples? Katie Golden. I mean, that's that would be weird if I was just like, guess who else likes apples? Me. It's me. Does a camel love apples? <laughs> do ca camels do love apples. I can see that. Yeah, I, I, no, I my, dog. my dog. My dog, Cookie, loves apples. Oh, Cookie loves apples. She will come running when she hears. And I do. I like apples. I wouldn't say like I love them. I'm not crazy for them, but I, sure. I like them. I'll eat them. And But when I do eat them, Cookie just gallops into the room and sits next that. to me and starts licking her lips because she knows she's about to get some little little bites Ooh, of apple. Get some apple. Oh, yeah. that's cute. <laughs> They're funny when they eat when they eat crunchy foods. She loves, yeah, she loves apples, uh, bell peppers, cucumbers. It's it's pretty. Oh, she, she, yeah. Yeah. She's kind of like one of yeah, these main wolves. Yeah, they love cucumbers. Yeah. But, yeah. Dogs love cucumbers. That's they do. Uh, our family dog. We we couldn't say no to treats for her. So we transitioned her to cucumbers and she loves them. Love it. There's something about the crunchiness, the yeah. the hydration. They love it. Yeah. Give your dog a cucumber. Give your dog Who's a cucumber. Sit next to a dog. Give it a <laughs> give it a cucumber. They'll be so happy. So yeah, these maned wolves, I think they're one of the most gorgeous uh canids yeah. in the world. They have these long legs that like have these black socks like they're wearing. It kind of gives me the vibe of like, 
Morticia wearing those that long long black yeah. bag gloves. Yeah, yeah, Just they this got real it. elegance. Yeah, and like I'm I'm seeing them like mid step and they walk. Yeah, they have a very pretty walk. Yes, very very runway runway walk. Runway walk. Um, they have this fluffy black mane on the nape of their necks and. They're actually um, the tallest wild canid at around three feet or 90 centimeters tall uh, and 65 pounds, they're around th- uh, which is 30 kilograms. And they live in the grasslands of the Cerrado, which is a tropical savanna region in Brazil, Paraguay, Argentina, and Bolivia. Cool. Yeah, they're the, they're the largest South American canine. They are actually not a pack animal. They live mostly solitary lives. Uh, They use this roar bark to warn others of its territory or to communicate with a mate about where it is, where its location is, Uh, which it also does the same thing with the urine. It uses its urine to communicate, but I can't share maned wolf urine over a podcast, so that's why I shared its bark instead. I know. Uh. Too bad oh, podcasts uh, yeah. don't come in smell vision because yeah. I'd have some interesting smells for, for you folks. Yeah, their puppies are cute. So cute. Oh, and look, they're playing with their pups. These guys are good. They're good great. animal. Good, good animal. And good job. I got a lot of of correct guesses out there. And uh, so congratulations, guys. You, I'm always really impressed yeah. that listeners are able to get these. I feel like even yeah. though I make the game, I would not be as good at playing it as a lot of my listeners are. Yeah, it's tricky. I'm impressed. Yes. <laughs> Thoroughly impressed. I got I got some smart listeners. So uh, now on to this week's mystery animal sound. A hint. You might find these little dudes boogieing to an imaginary beat but it's probably for the prey that lie deep beneath their feet. So, Bridget, who do you think is squawking? Oh, God, that was... Is it like a a heron or something? An interesting guess. And I will reveal the answer to this week's mystery animal sound on next week's podcast next Wednesday. <laughs> if you out there think you know who is squawking, you can write to me at creaturefeaturepod at gmail.com. You can also find me on Twitter at creaturefeetpod. Uh, and that's F E A T, not F E E T. That is something very different. You can also find me on Instagram at Creature Feature Pod. Um, I'm also on Twitter at Katie Golden. Uh, if you do check out my timeline, you might actually get a little bit of a spoiler for what uh, this week's mystery animal sound is. So uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, you warning. may want you may want to check that out or try to guess it for yourself. Whatever you want. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, Bridget. Thank you so much for joining me and uh, sharing my love for camels. Yeah, yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. Where, where can the people find you? Uh, yeah, you can uh, find uh, me doing podcasts over on the Small Beans Network. Uh, me and my co-host 
Uh, Sarah Griffith are right now going through movie trilogies on a series called Shooting Threes. Uh, so check that out as we review those. And uh, all the fun stuff that's going on over at the Small Beans Network, you can follow me at Bridget Tweets on Twitter. Uh, that's normally where I post all my uh, videos that I'm making and, and fun stuff like that. And uh, yeah, that's where I'm at these days. <laughs> And thank you so much for listening. If you're enjoying the podcast and you want me to know about it, if you leave a review or rating, I would so very much appreciate it. I'll even inflate my mouth sack for you if that's what you want. Uh, but yeah, I, I I read all the reviews. They, it really makes my day when I read a new review. Really appreciate it. And yeah, it does help out the show because it goes into the algorithm and it like tells the algorithm, hey, look, people are, there's buzz about this show. People are talking about it. Uh, so yeah, I do, do appreciate that. And thanks to the Space Cossacks for their super awesome song, Exolumina. Creature Feature is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts like the one you just heard, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or hey, guess what? <laughs> Listen, I'm going to level with you wherever you listen to your shows i'm not i'm not keeping track you can do you can listen to this podcast in any way shape or form that you want and no one is going to arrest you so enjoy that uh see you next wednesday Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more more info now. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks. Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success. From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts.